Welcome to Uncensoring Censorship. I am Mackenzie Birch. And I'm Liam Norris. This is where we unveil the mysteries of why classic films and animations have disappeared over time. Trigger warning. Some topics will address morality and religion and some taboo subjects like sex and equality. Now, without further ado, let's raise the curtain of censorship and get started. So on today's episode, we're going to kind of get into the meat of what censorship is. Uh, we have the dictionary definition is the act of monitoring books, plays, news reports, motion pictures, radio and television programs, letters, cablegrams, etc. For the purpose of suppressing parts deemed ejectable and on moral, political, military, or other grounds. And those who are promoting these practices or this practice are fault finders. Mm. So we're going to be focusing more on the like animation and film aspect of it. So Liam, what do you interpret censorship after hearing the definition and from your own life? Well, it's something that we talk about a lot in this country. It's um, covering up, uh, you know, certain aspects of most often the news media these days, you know, where, um, because since the 19, the, the early 1900s, we've relaxed a lot on what is seen. Um, so th things are not as blatantly censored as they once were. Um, so mo most, there's a debate and that debate right now mostly centers on the news. It's moved away from media and entertainment. Okay, so going back into like the 1920s and 30s era, without any really knowledge of what was censored and everything, what do you think would have been the main focus for those who were promoting censorship? Well, the, um, you know, the 1910s and all that, that's kind of when temperance uh, came to a head. You know, that's when um, uh, we, we had a portion of time where the only place you could get your alcohol were speakeasies, you know, if you were a gangster um, willing to break the law. And so, you know, that, that would be a rather significant change to times earlier in American history where it was safer to drink whiskey than water. So, yeah. Well, since we are going to mostly be focusing on like the 20s and 30s, uh, here are just some important dates. Um, we'll just go back and forth with these. Sure. So March 1873, kind of just beginning into moving into everything. Uh, Congress passed the Suppression of Trade and Insertion of Obscene Literature and Articles of Immoral Use Acts. So this is kind of just the beginning of when everything is like starting to be monitored, I guess. And I guess is also the big entry point of should we monitor and what should we monitor? Mm -hmm. So going from there, we have... Oh, the 1907, which had a uh, April exhibition in Lublin uh, called The Unwritten Law, 
And this was based on the Thaw slash White case, uh, which raised questions about morality. Now, give, can you give us a primer on the Thaw White case? Okay. Well, you know, we're, we're going to come back to that in more detail in just a little bit. So also during 1907, we have the peak of immigration. Now, this is important to censorship because with immigration, you bring new cultures and ideas. And with that, there are some things that people find more morally acceptable than others. Um, and so that can cause a huge rift, especially since being in like the temperance era and the cultures um, of that, of just the intermixing cultures. Mm -hmm. Well, this was also at a time they didn't have the communication that we have today. Yeah, so. without instant communication, things get suppressed a lot, mm -hmm. and it's easier to suppress than unlike things that are that some people don't feel are the best. Mm -hmm. In other countries, it's real scary if you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, in 1910, there were approximately 10,000 uh, Nickelodeons in operation. Now, a Nickelodeon uh, was essentially a, a small theater that people could go to for only a nickel. They would get their, their you know, you'd have a feature film, you'd have news, you'd have things that we're talking about today. And um, later on, you'd also have like some science shorts and everything from like Fleischer's to inexpensively go like some some parents would just drop their kids off at Nickelodeon's and go to work and that was what they did all day um so Nickelodeon's uh coming up will provide a huge fire to the pro-censorship supporters mm -hmm. uh, and we'll get into that in more detail later uh, however in 1914 the Women's Christian Temperance Union means Department of Purity and Literature and Arts. First thing, I didn't know that the Temperance Union had so many departments <laughs> that were very specific. I thought that was very interesting. But they, however, announced their support for the Smith Hughes Motion Picture Censorship Bill. So while the 19... 20s and 30s were like a huge like portion of the beginning of censorship and everything. We don't like we see it coming into flourishing all the way back in 1914 and even beyond with going back to 1873. Just kind of blows your mind yeah. that that is how far back it goes. <laughs> Very much so. And um, then in 1915 the U.S. Supreme Court affirmed the constitutionality of state censorship. So the the WCTU they kind of you know won won that a little bit. Yeah. Started getting their goals. And the Smith and Hughes Motion Picture Censors Censorship like Committee, I guess, as well since it was their bill. Mm -hmm. So and then continuing on to 1916. You already had Ohio, Kansas, Pennsylvania, and Maryland all have state uh, boards of censorship. So not only was it a national, 
not only was it nationally constitutional to start censoring things, but you had almost immediately states picking it up, saying that they want to monitor what people can see. Well, and it's interesting. I read that and I think, well, Kansas and Maryland might have some very different censorship rules, mm-hmm. different things that they want seen or ignored. So, yeah, but the uh, in that same year, the uh, GFWC, which is the General Federation of Women's Club. Okay, they announced their intentions to address the motion problem. Is that uh... that would be like the motion picture problem? Ah. So, what we would all see in the Nickelodeons and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 1917 comes essentially the biggest controversial, like starting out film for censorship. It's called Enlightened by Daughter. It was a per play about premarital sex and abortion. First and foremost, like this was kind of just. And it was a purpose play, so it's informational and kind of like why you should get have premarital sex and abortion. Uh, another thing to remember is that we are transitioning into the 20s, and so the younger generation they're getting a bit more loose and free with their thoughts about what sex is and what it should be um, versus the traditional aspect of you stay pure until you're married. Um, Also, Enlighten Thy Daughter set into motion the need to establish state motion picture picture censorship board for the New York State. Um, I kind of find that interesting because New York is known to be like the most, I guess, cultured might be a word that you could use Mm -hmm. for just how many different types of people and cultures that are there and um kind of how they all get along not saying they do all the time but for a majority of the time they do well it's where everyone's coming over you have your different uh parts of the city dedicated to different immigrant groups uh but there you know there's definitely a lot of uh cultural uh melding Mm -hmm. going on I guess it's just the true melting pot of the of America. Yeah, at least it was. But, it still uh, is. Huh? It still is. Possibly. I don't know. I haven't been. Uh, but that same year, 1917, um, it states that we're considering censorship legislation. We're backed by the general. Remind me. General Federation of Women's Clubs. General Federation of Women's Clubs. Um, so I assume that means both, uh, you know, them saying we've got your back and also probably a little bit of money. Yeah. So basically supporting what the thought against what, like, Enlighten My Daughter meant and everything. Mm-hmm. Here we are having a purpose play that's obviously aimed for the younger generation. And you have these mothers that are being like, not okay with this. I don't want my... 18-year-old daughter to know about sex until she's married kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, jumping forward, we are already uh, into the 1920s. With 1922, the General Federation of Women's Clubs embraced motion picture producers and distributors of America. Um, 
you might hear us also say later on, MPPDA, uh, with its new president, Will.H. And we will talk a lot more about Hayes later. Uh, he's a really big guy within the censorship world. Will Hayes could eventually build, but uh, <laughs> syllables in there regardless. Uh, 1924, the Hayes Code was created, I assume, by this little age Hayes. Yes. Um, and the uh, General Federation of Women's Clubs to declared motion censorship moot. So, what? That people didn't have to worry about? So, I think what, um, what happened is like Hayes kind of took it a little too far. Um, again, we'll get into it more in, in depth later and everything. Uh, we might even read some of the rules that Hayes came up with in his long, long list of what is appropriate and not appropriate. And, Films. But I, th I think what the General Federation of Women's Clubs was going for is that he took it a bit too far, and so uh, motion picture censorship was, I mean, you see what you see, and if you don't want to see it, you don't go see it. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, a much better approach, but then it looks like 11 years later, in 1935, studios began informing animators what was and was not appropriate. Mm. So this comes from, like, in Fleischer Studios and everything, um, in, in many others, just Fleischer's, I guess, was the most recommended for this. He was, his animators were just creating things. They weren't thinking about race or anything or, um, when they were creating their cartoon, they just thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. And... So some of the character caricatures that came out for saying of a of the black um, race or ethnicity or any of that were very degrading. And I'm watching it now and everything. If you look at it, it's like, oh my god, this actually was aired and was publicly accepted. Mm -hmm. um, and to the animators, they're just like, it was funny. They didn't think about it or anything. They're just looking for the story. Well, and remind me, what what cartoons, because the, the cat, was the cat one of those? Uh, yes, Felix the Cat, um, hugely censored. Uh, there was also the uh, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boys of Company B. Um, that's more in, or that was in World War II era. Mm. Um, and just some of those, it was... was Pretty much all of the stereotypical black and um, represent representation of was uh, um, big mouths. Um, Betty Boop was also Fleischer's, mm. so that um, it's interesting because she's like an icon to American society. However, she was uh, censored very early on mm -hmm. for for portrayal and everything. Um, so just, that's our timeline and everything. Um, it doesn't go all the way through the 30s, but just kind of gives you an idea of how censorship became and what it kind of evolved from, coming from the temperance union and everything. Mm -hmm. um, from that, there's just like some significant concepts and tensions that are easily picked out from that. Um, do you want to start? 
Yeah, so the big thing um, that even you know, without knowing what the issues were, my first thought would be, this takes the First Amendment into question, and that was one of the big questions uh, of the time. You know? mm-hmm. um, essentially, how, how far-reaching should the First Amendment be? And ever since the beginning of our country, you know, there have been debates over how far-reaching the uh, amendments of the Constitution should be. Um, and, and first, it, it has had its fair share of um, attackers and defenders. Um, but, you know, I can very easily see how it uh, would, how there would be a debate about how it should factor in under these new ideas of censorship. And, Definitely. Not only were it, was it what people were seeing, perceiving, but it's also what the animators and studios wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Granted, it wasn't the actual like written or spoken word, and it was a spoken word when sound was introduced. Um, but I feel like it also brought into flourishing the imagery that's associated with the First Amendment mm-hmm. in the idea of how do you speak through imagery? And also another big question is, if censored, then who is going to do the censoring? Was it going to be the government, municipal, state, or federal? Uh, if not, were there going to be voluntary boards, uh, or voluntary boards? Um, I feel like this is one of the, one of the biggest uh, questions in general, is if the government is censoring, then the government is essentially saying what you get to see and when. Uh, you see this in like other countries, uh, China, Korea, North Korea especially. Um, but with a democracy and everything, is that the best course of action? Do they actually get the public opinion and everything? Um, but with voluntary boards, do you have the people who are volunteering and if you do, are they going to try to push their agenda above everything else? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's one of the more more important concepts and questions to actually like keep in mind throughout everything we're talking about censorship. Well, in the, the debate of you know government against people, man, this is just a hot topic of things that have been debated throughout the history of the United States. Um, because you've always had your groups who are against giving the government more power than it needs. Um, and, well, might. With the voluntary boards thing, the, the thought is that that just does not sound like it would work. Either they wouldn't have any authority or they would just, um, they, I don't know, they don't seem to have a way to enforce in my mind. but. It's just a little sneak peek that we're mentioning voluntary boards right now. We'll get into how it was actually enforced later on. But of course, but of course. Well, and, you know, it's it's all a debate about free speech and censorship, which one should come out on top. I mean, not even that, but like the civil, civil liberties and rights and everything. Mm-hmm. What gives, say, you the right to monitor what I'm watching mm-hmm. and vice versa? Um, I mean, back then it would be you being a man and everything, 
it'd be a huge like we'd be definitely okay with you monitoring what I watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another thing. It's like what gives one person the right over the other, and does that impede on somebody else's right? Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's all coming back to this this main topic of, you know, uh, who's in charge? Mm-hmm. I suppose. Who's in charge of this censorship? Who should be in control? The people, the state, the... That is where the debate Yeah, lies. and I mean, if it's state and everything, what stops one state from monitoring or censoring one film but not another? Mm-hmm. So... Essentially, a big, larger context in everything is there's going to be a battle over vice, morality, and obscenity. So, along with who's going to censor, we also have those big three topics that we also have to mind because while we may be into the more loosely um, era of the 20s and 30s, we, which is essentially kind of where, like, at least for me, where gangsters were, the thought of gangsters comes from the 20s and 30s, and they're kind of being, like, this new and exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, at least nowadays, we have, like, a lot of gangster movies. We have The Godfather, classic movies such as that, where is this gangster who's getting away with crime is that okay is it not what's gonna happen those are definitely not censored yeah but they could have been could have been so um we mentioned earlier the smith hughes motion picture censorship censorship bill it's a tongue twister it is um just kind of give you more in-depth um idea of what that is, it proposed creation of eight federal motion picture commissions. So essentially a place where the federal government or just the nation as a general, as a general, in general, um, could get like commissions in, I'm guessing just going through and something to kind of like monitor what what should be shown. Mm-hmm. So kind of like an independent company on what's okay or not. So that is essentially the timeline, the uh, important concepts, uh, bills and decrees. Uh, we did talk earlier about... 1907. Um, we do have a little more to go into there just because Enlightened Thy Daughter was such a big impact. Um, we mentioned that it was a, a purpose play about premarital sex and abortion. Um, kind of to get more in depth with, with that and everything. Um, oh, wait, that's 1917. I'm I'm 10 years ahead. That's okay. So 1907 was the unwritten law. So this was um, in November, Chicago City Council adopted police censorship prohibiting 
exhibition of immoral obscene motion pictures to the public. Uh, so one of the big questions I had is, does censorship apply to private settings? Um, if a husband and wife are censored from having sex, you yeah. have to you have to wear a blindfold the whole time. Um, so that, that's kind of thing. Like, is if say nowadays um, Bill Gates wanted to contract Disney specifically and be like, "Hey, I want a private viewing of this. Does it have to be censored?" Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to use of a modern example uh, makes me think you should use YouTube for that. You can see anything you want on the internet. But, but that, going back, that could be YouTube uh, now could be thought of the Nickelodeons back then. True, it is a main form of entertainment, and it is publicly accessible. You don't really have to pay much unless you wanted to get rid of all the ads. Mm -hmm. But it was cheap entertainment and. There, there's a way to censor that, and it, like you go to YouTube and it's pretty heavily censored. Uh, if you look at even just big animations, like a lot of those are removed due to licensing or obscene content and things like that. Um, but I mean, what do you think if back then we were some big shot government official? multi-millionaire, uh, or hundredaire back then, I guess. If we wanted a private viewing, would it have to be censored? Well, I, to me, my, my thought is that um, it has to be some big shot, some high up something or other. You know, that immediately is kind of unfair because, I mean, you know, this is meant to be the land of opportunity. You know, anybody should be able to um, to have the choice, I suppose. So um, I'm trying to look at it from a perspective that is not my modern, you know, censorship is ridiculous thing. It's not totally ridiculous, but we can get back to that. But I mean, compared to the public and everything, and you're paying to have a private viewing, mm -hmm. and you have the choice between censored or uncensored. I personally would probably go for uncensored. Oh, I, I know, I would. But I, I that was probably because like, oh, that is so naughty, and, <laughs> and that's censored, like that needs to be censored. Um, but yeah, I just I thought that was kind of like a fun mind game, I guess, mm -hmm. or just. An elusive question. Um, yeah, but uh, going back to the unwritten in 1907, not 1917, I'll mess it up this time. <laughs> um, you have the police censoring. Um, that is another big issue that we didn't really talk about earlier, is who's going to censor it? Is mm. it the police or monetary boards? If it's the police, things can get kind of ugly. Because um, then it's kind of seen more as illegal instead of immoral or immoral. What if something were censored and they were trying to show it? It would have been illegal. It just, you know, same, same as alcohol. Yeah. Um, in this 
uh, case, it, audiences were packed with schoolgirls. Um, schoolgirls, as in just, I guess, their typical plot of a schoolgirl, um, teenager, um, is shown in small theaters, Nickelodeons. Um, they were blamed a lot for kind of um, just the cheap, kind of dirty underside of the motion picture theater and everything. Mm -hmm. There were so many of them. I mean, again, 1910, there were 10,000 Nickelodeons in operation. Mm -hmm. They were everywhere. Kind of like McDonald's now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't have that good of a view on McDonald's, but... No, but they are a successful business plan. Yeah, and Nickelodeons back then were too. Um, and they were kind of blamed for this thought of the uh, angry, bad, immoral aspect that was coming around, mm -hmm. that people were trying to protect people from. Well, and why, why were the schoolgirls in there? Uh, it was due to the fact of what it was showing. Um, so they were kind of meant to be a, a moral compass to the other uh, No, so it was the audiences were packed with schoolgirls, as in that was the majority of the audience. The oh, film okay. was kind of geared towards Oh, they're, they're the ones who chose. They were the ones who wanted to see it. Okay. Oh, so much like going to the mall with your friends. Yeah. So, or um, how, say, Avengers Infinity War is geared to Marvel fans. Mm hmm or chick flicks are geared towards chicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I go see them with my, my bros. <laughs> so again, uh, the unwritten law, they launched the uh, bourgeoisie mo movement. What? What? No, nothing. You're yeah, laughing at me. Growing movement. Yeah. <clears throat> to monitor the movies and everything like that. Um, also, as we mentioned earlier, 1907 was the peak of immigration. Mm -hmm. uh, the moral panic arose about white slave traffic and women adrift in the city. Uh, one of these was, or like a big act of this, was the Man White Slave Traffic Act in 1910. Does this mean actual slaves, or does this mean. Um, like, I think that one specifically is actual slaves. Okay. Um, but we do have more about that, okay. as you can see. So. It's, um, make sure I'm on the page. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the response to anti immigrant uh, sediment and alleged um, international traffic in women. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, selling women. Yeah. Um, so this also brought about the crime for an unmarried couple to travel across state lines together. Scandalous. It was. They didn't know if they were going to, like, if she was being kidnapped or what. Mm. Like, who knew? Yeah. I, I find that kind of interesting because what if it's like a father and a daughter? They're an unmarried couple. Yeah, that's curious. So I think it's like, if it's obviously about like approximate ages. Mm -hmm. um, or even just a, 
non-related, possibly romantic, non-family member. Yeah. I think it's more of a non-family member. Yeah, that would, that would make sense. Yeah. I find it interesting because when I think of the 20s, I think more of like the uh, New York area in like downtown uh, cities on the East Coast. I don't really think too much about traveling across state lines. Yeah. Well, and this could be the result of it. People knew they wanted to have a good time, and so they just stayed home. Yeah. Another thing um, about the Man White Slave Traffic Act, Act was the significant expanded power and purview of the newly established FBI. That's where they came from. Um, no. not, that's not where they came from, no, no, but, but that's uh, one of the big cases, I guess, that gave them their power. Yeah. So, kind of give an intro into what censorship is, the important facts and timeline um, that came from censorship, kind of our opinion on how it connected from uh, then to now. And, what else do we have to say? Uh, we're, we're about to hop into some, some deep stuff. So, welcome, welcome so, to this whole thing. See you next time.